Hello, and welcome to Presenting, a podcast where we talk about various topics related to role-playing games, typically Paizo products such as Pathfinder or Starfinder, but also others. I'm John Godek, and with me today is Isis Wozniakowska. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, hello. Hey, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us. You know, I've been trying, I think for months, to get you on this podcast. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, well, you were busy. You said you had to I've move. Had a, and, yeah, I just yeah. moved this month, and it's yeah. uh, it's been a, a bit of a crazy couple of months. I I started grad school. That was a part of it, too. So, <laughs> Oh, what are you studying? Uh, well, so I, I went to... Uh, I went to San Francisco State for comparative mm-hmm. literature, mm-hmm. and I'm actually uh, trying to go back and, you know, basically further my complete studies, and we'll see how that goes. <laughs> so nice. far, I mean, nice. it's been okay, but I've only been taking one class so far, so. <laughs> no, it's a, I, I actually came here right from teaching a class. Oh, wow. So that's it. I'm a university professor, so it's, when, you, when anybody talks about school, I get kind of get excited. Oh, well, that's, a, that's good. So, well, I shouldn't say teaching. I had a guest speaker, so I actually listened. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I try to do that as much as I can. I've been teaching 20 years, and I'd rather listen to other people if I can. So. <laughs> I mean, you know, you can only say the same thing so many times, right? I, well, that's what I tell my students, and they, they, they appreciate that now. So uh, Isis is a tabletop free, freelance author and game designer. She's contributed to The Secrets of Magic and Dark Archive hardcovers for Pathfinder 2nd Edition, as well as the Tales of Lost Omens vignettes that are on the Paizo blog. Very cool. On the Starfinder side, she has worked on the Interstellar Species hardcover, Back Matter for Horizons of the Vast, AP Book 6, and was the author of Starfinder Scenario 504, Fragment of the Fourth, which I have actually played. Oh, wow. You yeah. got to play it. That's yeah. good. What'd you think of it? It was fun. It was fun. Right, you know, good. um, I'm fortunate we have a really good GM up here, Jocelyn Hamilton, and she just makes it so. I GM a lot, and when I Mm -hmm. don't GM, I always try to get her to GM because she just makes it so much fun. So it was good. good. I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it. I I don't get to hear a whole lot about it because the higher level stuff just doesn't get played as much. Right. 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 It's good to hear that you guys enjoyed it. Yes, and and we're we're itching for as much high level stuff as we can get. Mm -hmm. We've been playing a long time, you know. Yeah. I have all these level 13s and 14s and anything, anything I can get anywhere, you know, I'll play. Yeah. Um, so we ISIS, a, uh, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. We have a, we have a pretty like regular uh, play around here as mm-hmm. well. So, I mean, part of the reason I'm even like able to write up that high is because we have plenty of high yes. level characters up here. So. Uh, right. Do you, is, are Kate and Dennis in your regular group then? Yeah, they're in yeah. the area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen some Warhorns, I think, for your group online. And mm-hmm. just scheduling-wise, I'm I'm kind of – I've signed up off and on, but yeah. I'm like, I'm just so booked. And it's hard to – yeah, it's hard to get too many games in anymore. So I mean, that's pretty much like that and my weekend home game are like the only thing I can do <laughs> right now. So <laughs> Oh, see, I'm in three home games. One yeah. of them that is every week, and the other two are – bi-weekly and then we have our our lodge games and, oh, and so nice. trying to to fit it in around podcast recording and podcast yep. editing and yep. oh and then i have to teach once in a while and great <laughs> yeah, yeah you know sometimes yeah. you have to do the day Life. job or whatever <laughs> and uh and then if i have to do any writing on top of that you know mm-hmm. so 
but ISIS, this is about you. Can, all right. Can, all right. Can, can you talk a little bit about your journey to becoming a freelance author and game designer? You know, I don't even know if I have the most like exciting journey. For the most part, you know, I actually started just around the time COVID happened. Mm -hmm. Um, But I guess like I've been writing since I was very young. Uh, I had a third grade teacher who made us write like she made us write journals every day or every other day. And I was just always grumpy about it. I never knew what to write. I never wanted to do it. (laughs) But uh, she always got on my case about it. So I just started writing like sort of odd little fictions involving myself and my friends. And then it just like kept going from there. So (laughs) I've just kind of been writing for myself for a very long time. Um, And you know, unlike a lot of other people who uh, get into doing Paizo writing, I didn't have a lot of tabletop work that I had done before. But um, like I said, I've been writing for years. I've taken a lot of creative writing classes. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I've tried to hone that craft, even if it was just for myself. Um, so when I got into doing uh, tabletop, which was... 2015 2016 something like that um you know I was enjoying that and then I had to stop for a while because college got too crazy and Mm. then I came back around was it four years ago three years ago something like that um started doing Starfinder picked up Pathfinder 2 when it started up again um and it was around the time COVID started that they had an open call, which I basically responded to. I sent them in some short story work that I had done and, you know, some world building for a web comic that I wrote with a friend of mine mm-hmm. in high school. And uh, <laughs> apparently that was enough to get them to, uh, to you know, give me a chance. And I the first project I got to work on with Paizo was uh, Secrets of Magic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm very proud of what I put in for that. So, you know, it's sort of a weird journey of a technically short story writer, but I mm-hmm. like didn't have anything published. So, well, that's not necessarily true. I actually did do um, some review writing. I So I did a study abroad program briefly mm-hmm. and there was a an online tourist magazine that basically compensated you by getting you into uh, events for free. And then you would just oh. write a review of the event. So I was, that sounds like, a I was lot like of fun. I'll go to a bunch yeah. of events. Sure. Yeah. I could write 250 words about it. So, Wow. And, and so that was, how long was your study abroad? First of all, um, that was a year. It was from 20, I think it was the 2016, 2017 okay. school year. Well, and um, you were in Florence for that or did you Florence, travel? Florence, Italy. Some? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny that same, same year, no, the year before we had an exchange student from Pisa <laughs> at our house for the year. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. And then my daughter the year after, which had been 2016, went there to, there goes my dog, went there to, to visit their family and stuff. And 
So that's kind of, I I love Italy. How, How did you like Italy? Oh, Italy was great. It's, it's a fantastic place. I mean, it was really funny too, because you know, I I had studied a lot of Italian before I got there. One of the things mm-hmm. with comparative literature that is really hard for a lot of people to get into is you have to study at least one other language than your native language. Right. To the point where you can read in it. Mm-hmm. So I had studied quite a bit of it, which meant I, you know, I did a lot of traveling within Italy because mm-hmm. the thing people don't realize about Italians is like outside of tourist hubs, they don't speak English really. Right. So I I had a great time. I was just I went around to all these like small towns. You know, I went to Azizi. I went to Arezzo, um, and it was it was gorgeous. And in fact, sometimes some of the smaller places that because you can get everywhere with the regional trains, Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes some of the smaller places were like even I almost want to argue prettier or more exciting. Um, Not that Florence isn't exciting. It's absolutely beautiful. It's a great city. I love it. But it'll always be my second home, you know. And and do you speak Italian pretty well then? Pretty well. I mean, I haven't used it in you know two three years, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I got to the point where when I was briefly doing some work in a museum, like I interned there, so I could stay for the summer. Um, I got to the point where the guards thought I. So I always tell people the greatest compliment I've ever gotten on my Italian was a museum guard who told me, wow, you know, you're always speaking English up to these tourists. You speak English really well. Because <laughs> <laughs> she apparently had had not realized I was yeah. American because I was only ever talking to the guards in, um, in Italian. So Wow. Wow. Very cool. <laughs> so that was uh, I, I always say that's that was my favorite thing that I'd ever heard about my Italian. <laughs> in. And so you also uh, have a minor in European history. Was that part of your study abroad? No. Well, so I took European studies. It's sort of, it technically wasn't part of study abroad, although most of the classes I took in study abroad counted for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like a, it's almost an international relations minor, but like not oh, wow. quite because um, mm-hmm. we don't, San Francisco State didn't officially have an, a, a, uh, an international relations minor. Right. So we had like global studies. And if you took mm-hmm. it as a minor, you picked, you know, whatever um, mm-hmm. continent or whatever you were picking. So some I, part of the globe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah some part <laughs> of the globe. So I, I had a um, European studies minor. Cool. And, and so how did your comparative literature and your kind of study of, of Europe kind of enhance your freelance writing? Well, I mean, I'd certainly say, especially for the sake of like fantasy writing mm-hmm. and world building, it's been really fruitful to like have experienced a lot of other places. I mean, and and I, I let's be honest, like Galarian is a little like, mm-hmm. there are a lot of like European analogs <laughs> right. that, you know, are definitely more... Uh, approachable if you have a little more background in the um, European history and philosophy and all that crazy stuff. But, you know, the other thing is, I I hate to say that, I hate to say this because it always, you know, people always say this, but it's very true. It's like, as a literature major, I read a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, 
reading a lot is very useful if you want to be a writer, as it turns out. So, um, you know, I I read a large variety of things and maybe have to overanalyze it a little more than the average person. But, you know, it gives me kind of an idea of what typical tropes are and, you know, the kinds of things that you, the kinds of things that work, the kinds of things that don't. Um, So I definitely think that in some ways that is like, helped me a lot as a writer. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm now I'm kind of wondering the type of literature you read. And, and I only do this because, uh, you know, Jason Tondro has a PhD in, in English literature. Yeah. His focus was on kind of comic books and mm-hmm. Arthurian literature and kind of comparing them <laughs> and time together. Are you doing something cool like that or? Well, what? so. So my focus in undergrad was technically um, pre-1800s European literature, so pre-modern. Yeah. Um, I had done a lot of Renaissance and medieval. Uh, Part of that was just because my study abroad, uh, turns out if you study in Italy, you learn a lot about the Renaissance (laughs) and the medieval era. So (laughs) that was sort of their thing, right? Um, But yeah... So my current, we'll say goal, I don't know if it's overly ambitious or not, but um, part of the reason I went back to grad school is comparative literature is particularly good at um, kind of front, like being the the forefront of new types of literature study and new types mm. of literary mm-hmm. fields. So um, as a tabletop writer, uh, I've actually been talking with my advisors in a in sort of, sort of a, such of a way as to overall, you know, um, the eventual study would be trying to get a comparison of work between like uh, tabletop as a literary medium and oh, wow. um, like kind of early modern kind of oral storytelling and Mm. you know things like um various like uh old styles of poetry like where people would add on um Mm -hmm. to each other's poet uh poetry and make like full-fledged stories it's still in the works but uh (laughs) We'll see how it goes. No, that sounds like a lot of fun. Wow. Yeah. To to be able to, to combine those. I think that would be great. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's one of the things we talk about a lot in comparative literature is like mm-hmm. what constitutes as literature. Mm-hmm. And it's an ongoing question in the field. <laughs> so No, no. Very cool. Very cool. So you said you started uh, writing initially for uh, Pathfinder 2nd Edition hardcovers. Mm-hmm. And now you have a, a recent Starfinder scenario out, plus some work on, on an AP and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, how do you how do you get one and then go the other? Because you know, if you're specializing one, it seems odd that all of a sudden they have you do that. Um, but also, kind of, what are some of the challenges working between the two systems as well? It's a good question. So, what's actually funny about this is, you know, my first job was on Secrets of Magic. Mm-hmm. But I would technically consider myself a Starfinder author more than a Pathfinder author. Um, And part of that is just, you know, I'm 
a little more engrossed in Starfinder lore than I am in Pathfinder. But um, that said, I like both systems a lot. Mm -hmm. And the open call that I responded to was for Pathfinder. And so, but the main thing is like, once you're like, once I got started, you know, it was more or less just kind of looking out for people who had things available. And because I'm, know both systems it's a Mm -hmm. little bit you know a wider range of things that you know i could try for um but yeah no there are definitely some complications between the two i definitely am more used to writing in starfinder so one of the issues i i sometimes run into is my you know i'm still kind of working on encounter design in Pathfinder 2. I mean, like I've my my big thing is like I haven't done like a homebrew adventure in PF2. Like mm. I've mm-hmm. GM'd it a lot. Right. But it's always been pre-written stuff. So every time I have to like go build an encounter, I have to like go flip through all the books and be like, oh gosh, mm. what am I doing? Um that and remembering how all the conditions work because oh boy they all have the same name and all function differently in each edition so that's fun um i thankfully haven't goofed up on uh naming skills the wrong thing yet Mm -hmm. (laughs) but i have seen that before calling a society check a culture check and vice versa right 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 right. (laughs) but uh so I, I keep a, a heavy eye out for that one because I'm like, oh God, I don't want to make that mistake. <laughs> what about like the context, you know, shifting from one to the other? Oh, so yeah. seems like that, I, I mean, clearly the type of things you can do are different. Maybe yeah. the, the themes that, or, you know, the, the, what you're trying to accomplish can have a general same analog one way back and forth, mm-hmm. but definitely the context is, is a lot different. Yeah, and one thing that's a little bit frustrating with Starfinder 2 is the uh, the gap is, you know, its own thing. <laughs> yes. So history can only go back about 300 years. So that's something you always have to kind of be prescient about. Well, it can be pre-gap, too. That's right? true. There's it some can be pre-gap, pre-gap stuff. You, yeah, you can yeah. put set things in the Pathfinder era. That's yeah. true. <laughs> but <laughs> But that's difficult for me is like, a literary history scholar right. where I'm like, oh, right. There isn't like a medieval Starfinder. That's just Pathfinder. And then there's nothing there. <laughs> so, but no, I, I think like setting wise, it's pretty easy for me to kind of separate the two. And I think part of that is just that Starfinder is kind of well-built to do that. You know, right. the whole Galarian not being there, you don't have to worry as much about it. Um, also, I mean, I don't know, like, yeah, setting wise, I've never had much issue like separating the two. Um, and I know that there are, I like what items do more in in Pathfinder 2, but. I mean, that's not really saying much because I can write items in either system. Like. Right. Well, I think the modifiers and bonuses are, are you yeah. know, having, you know, striking and, you know, doing extra mm-hmm. damage and stuff like that. They, the fusions in Starfinder, I think, are, are kind of boring. I mean, they do some cool things, but yeah. that, you know, 
It doesn't seem as cool. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's what I, I mean, Pathfinder 2, you can make more interesting, like custom weapons. Yeah. That you can't really do in Starfinder. But also, sometimes writing weapons in Starfinder is a bit easier because it's just like, it's just the yeah. same thing, only the damage scales. <laughs> As opposed to like Pathfinder, where you're like, all right, you have your one. It's it's just one weapon. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it 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 has to separate itself from the other weapons, but it's your one, and then you keep attaching stuff to it. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're both perfectly fine systems. And I've talked before, like, to some friends of mine about how, like, I like both equipment systems, but for mm -hmm. different reasons, because there's stuff that irritates me about both of them, but there's mm -hmm. stuff I really like about both, so. Yeah, I, I, I'm primarily a Starfinder person as well. Most mm -hmm. of my writing has been there, and but I've been playing a lot more Pathfinder 2nd Edition, mm -hmm. and uh, especially low level, I just feel so limited <laughs> in what yeah. I can get. It's like, I got all this money, I got nothing to spend it on, you know? Yeah. For me, I find it depends on what, like, character I have. Yeah. For whatever reason, my, like, Pathfinder Society inventor always feels poor. Like, I have so many mm -hmm. things I need to buy, and I don't right, have enough right, right. money. But it's like my druid who's level six. I'm like, cool, I have $500, <laughs> nothing I need. Yep. yep. So... So what advice do you have for people interested in becoming a freelance author and game designer? Well, I mean, there's the standard bit of advice, which is always keep writing, always. Yeah. Um, you know, whether you're writing like me for yourself, you're doing fiction, you're doing poetry, whatever, just always keep writing. Much like visual artists have to practice all the time, writers have to practice you have to kind of hone your craft more or less um other than that i mean a lot of people say start out in like third party stuff which is probably good advice but it's not advice i really know how to give people because i didn't really like start right. there but um definitely keep an eye out for open calls um you know follow companies that you're interested that you know are are doing you know that you know hire freelancers follow them on their twitter or you know facebook instagram whatever and keep an eye out on their if they have newsletters or whatever um for open calls um and hopefully if you are writing all the time like i said you'll have some good samples of work to show people which is kind of the big thing you know um you only get, you know, two, three examples to show someone to show them whether or not you're really good enough to hire and, um, you know, make sure you got some good ones <laughs> stacked up. Yeah. So after you uh, answered the first open call, how did you get your subsequent things? Did people just start recruiting you all the time or did you have to do well, something else? So the first one, so I got my... Uh, Secrets of Magic um, job, and then it was a you know a good few months, probably seven or eight months, um, w until um, it was actually about the time I think Jenny Jerzabski was the hmm. Starfinder developer at the time, right? Okay, um, and it was around the time she was getting hired 
I think shortly after I actually messaged her, because we, you know, I followed her on Twitter. We occasion I occasionally, you know, made funny jokes at her stuff on Twitter. Um, but I like messaged her on Twitter saying like, hey, if you have any uh, Starfinder work, you know, um, let me know. I'd like to try writing an adventure. And uh, she and I were, you know, um, talking and we worked out a, you know, a time and a scenario. Well, and, and, you know, I, she told me, sure, send me some, like, send me some samples. So I emailed her, sent her a sample. I sent her my interest. And it actually helps to have, like, you don't have to have super defined interests, but, you know, it helps to be like, I don't necessarily think I'm ready to write X or Y and stuff like right. that. You know, that's stuff that's important to tell uh, developers. And, you know, it also looks relatively professional and you <laughs> kind of know your own limits. So mm -hmm. I said like, Hey, you know, these are things that I'm good at. This is stuff that I study. Here are some samples of my work. And, um, she eventually emailed me back saying like, okay, I think I have a scenario, you know, let me give you the, the base information about it. Let me know how you feel about it. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, it was it was a good time for her because when you're you know somewhat new you mm -hmm. have you know your work has to be checked over or whatever and so we we found a scenario that that worked that i was interested in and um she sent me the outline and we got to working and there you go but um it was not like a short process <laughs> right 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 cool um and I do think that, unfortunately, what, what does make some kind of new writers a little worried is that, you know, it can generally be a really long time after your first assignment before you get another one. <laughs> so, but don't, right. you know, don't give up hope. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm still, I'm still hoping for scenarios. So I've, yeah, yeah I've, I've, uh, I've been told some things, but I've been waiting still. So. <laughs> yeah. I'll just leave it at that. So what's next for I, uh, ISIS? What what have you been working on that you can actually talk about? Well, <laughs> that's the real kicker, isn't it? As, yeah. as freelance writers, there's only so much we can talk about. Well, there definitely will be things coming from me. <laughs> I can say that much. I uh, There are things in the works, things that I've already done, not everything that I can talk about. Um, like I said, you know, uh, keep an eye out for me in the uh, world of scholarship. I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to make, uh, you know, I'm trying to make an argument for tabletop RPGs yes. in, uh, in, liter in literary studies. So that's going to be uh, a whole adventure in itself. Beyond that, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I have some things I'm working on, but I can't really talk about them yet. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm not like working on any, uh, personal fiction right now, but that's also <laughs> because grad school is taking up a good chunk right, of my time. Right. So <laughs> to, uh, you know, to be determined on, <laughs> on more from me, I guess. What about conventions? Will we see you at any conventions coming up? Maybe. See, the problem I have is I'm not like a big convention person. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, I went to like a bunch of 
conventions back when I was in high school, but I, like, for me, like, the conventions themselves are fine, but I, I'm just not a fan of all the travel and the packing yes. and the going out yes. and yes. all that stuff. So, I'll say it's possible, but I don't have any current <laughs> plans. Okay. <laughs> yeah, PaisaCon's a good one. That's That's yeah. one worth going. It's, I mean, for you, it's probably a two and a half hour flight. Yeah, it's not out, far so. actually yeah. from me, and I I know enough people that go that I could probably work out like, you know, a, a good like hotel or whatever situation. But I just haven't gotten around <laughs> to it, to be honest. Um, so I mean, we'll see. Probably not 2023, but I at some point I do need to go to a PaisoCon, and I have wanted to. Um, because I, I, I know enough people who go to them. Yeah. Um, it's possible I'll go to some, some like of the local cons around here next year. They didn't mm-hmm. really work out for me this year, but, um, my big thing is I don't, I don't have a car <laughs> and local conventions here. Like, and I live in a very public transit, good, right. Air, right. like a, a good public transit area, but the conventions kind of tend to be in areas that you need to drive to. Mm. So I didn't really get a good setup to go to them <laughs> this year. So we'll mm-hmm. see. <laughs> um, I'll try. I'll try next year. All right. Well, maybe we'll see you at a convention sometime in the future. Sometime in the awesome. future. So. I doubt I'll make it to Gen Con. That's a little far for me. <laughs> it is. It's a lot of fun, but it's a huge... If I were yeah. picking a big convention to go to, I like Origins a lot more. It's mm. a lot more personal, especially for the Paizo stuff. Yeah. Gen Con's just massive. <laughs> so it's just massive. That, that, that sounds about right. I'll definitely yeah. try to make it to a Paizo Con at some point. Yeah. Uh, probably not while I'm, probably not like while I'm starting out grad school. So, right, for sure. <laughs> I mean, maybe 2024. Probably not 23, especially now that I've just moved. I, I have to resort all my finances out. But Yes, you know. no, for sure, for sure. Well, Isis, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's been great. Yeah, thanks for having me.